Hey, Juliet, how you doing? Hello. I'm good. How are you, Carter? I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there. Uh, yeah. Welcome, everyone, to Narrative Descent on Unsafe right. Space. Juliet, do you want to? You, hey, you just do it. Okay. Well, Go ahead. Okay. Say all the things. <laughs> Welcome. This is Narrative Dissonance on Unsafe Space. This is Carter over this way. Oh, yeah. And... I just switched us. Because <laughs> I, I want you closer to the camera, so when I'm looking at you, I'm looking more at Oh, you. well, that works great. <laughs> I'm Juliet. Um, normally on this show, we talk to members of the alternative media about the potential uh, misleading or straight-up lies that the mainstream <laughs> media is spouting. Um, I mean, if they happen to spout lies. Not that yeah, it would happen. Yeah. Right, but it could, you know, theoretically. On occasion. Um <laughs> And we like to talk about stories we aren't paying attention to, but should be. Uh, it looks like this week it might just be a special episode of me and Carter. <laughs> yes, we have uh, Scotty Nell Hughes was supposed to join, but she hasn't joined yet. Um, she did confirm, but we'll see. Sometimes things people come up in people's lives. So if she yes. joins, she joins. If she doesn't, we will uh, continue on unabated, mm -hmm. um, undeterred. We do have a book club coming up on... Sunday. This Sunday. Yes. Right? Yeah. At 2 p.m. Eastern time. Um, it's Slaughterhouse 5. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. If you haven't started, you still have time. It's such an easy read. Yeah. So it is I'm pretty... looking forward to it. I, I'm rereading it just to prep. And it's so good. <laughs> it's it's um it's one of those like super easy and fun reads. You just kind of sit mm -hmm. down and you just want to go through the whole thing and be done. And it's like... Yeah. Uh, it's not a slog. There's definitely books that are good, but are slogs. Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, it's like candy. You just yeah. keep eating it and then you're done. Yep. Uh, so um, also really quickly, I do. we have a couple shows this week coming up. 451 Degrees is tomorrow at 4 p.m. Pacific. I think Alex is doing her show tomorrow. And also on Wednesday, Keith's Rebel Civics show, which is at 9 a.m. 9 Pacific. He's actually interviewing... Uh, Dennis Misagoy, I think that's how you pronounce his name. He's uh, running for Senate in Florida. Uh, he's on the Libertarian ticket, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. Not being a Floridian, I don't pay attention too much to Florida politics, but he'll be joining Keith on Wednesday. All right. Well, uh, I let's just jump into some stuff, Julia. Okay. Uh, and right. if Scotty shows up, we will pause and introduce her. And steer the conversation that way. So do you have anything in particular that you've been bothered about that's been propaganda going on or stuff we should be paying attention to? Because i got a few. Okay, I'll start with a like kind of an easy one here. I'm going to post a link. There you go. Alrighty. Okay. Um, up. I just found the link to it. Uh, it's, it's a little old. It's from October 11th, but it's something that just was driving me crazy. When I first saw it, um, it is, it's a tweet from the New York Times world 
and it links to an article. Just the tweet itself is annoying. Um, so this was the morning after Russia unleashed just you know, tons of missiles on Ukraine after Ukraine bombed the bridge in Crimea. And so, so it says the Russian missile attacks that killed at least 19 people across Ukraine on Monday were wide ranging, but they were not as deadly as they could have been. That has renewed questions over the quality of Russia's weapons. So basically, if Russia carries out strategic strikes against infrastructure and with minimum casualties, Damage. yeah, right, like they're they suck. Like they have terrible weapons because they didn't kill tons of people. Like what? It's amazing. It's you're damned if you do, and you, you're damned if you don't, right? So they, <laughs> if they if they indiscriminately kill a bunch of people, they're monsters, and yeah, if they target crimes. them attacks, they're incompetent. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. I just thought that was a great spin. I mean, <laughs> that's not a false dichotomy at all. No. <laughs> yeah, was, I mean, uh, that, sorry, that's been true of the entire conflict that there have been civilian casualties, but for the most part, Russia has been very surgical in trying to avoid that, which, I mean, really in modern warfare should be applauded. Thank you for not just wiping out civilians, but. Apparently, they're still war criminals. Yeah, and I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm going to betray my ignorance on this because I just haven't paid attention. But I assume, uh -huh. I am going to also assume that the reason I don't know it is because it hasn't been thrust in my face, mm -hmm. which leads me to believe the answer is a certain way. the 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 pipeline that was bombed, right? Uh, there was this like weird narrative at the very beginning that it was Russia, which would make absolutely no sense. It was like, we have some leverage over you, so we bombed it. Like, okay, that that makes zero sense. Right. And then I guess there were some investigations, but I never heard the conclusion of them, so I assume that it means it wasn't conclusively Russia. Do you, do you know where that ended? I do. Um, so, okay, I think it was, it was last week or the week before that Sweden, I think it was last week, so Sweden, Germany... And the United States were supposed to do like a joint investigation. And then Sweden came out and said, never mind. Um, the classification of what we've found is too high to share with other countries. So they know who did it. They won't. Tell Don't they anybody. get to classify it themselves? Isn't that their. <laughs> right? Yes. So it wasn't something they wanted the world to know. It's too high to share with other countries. Right. Including not, their allies? Like I don't It's not even or just, theirs. You know, it, I it was such a bizarre, uh, bizarre answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I so wait, that's basically code for it doesn't fit the narrative. Right. Like we found out. Can we evidence. move on to the next story? <laughs> hey, isn't the January sixth <laughs> hearing still going on? Woo! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's wild. Right. That's uh that was my suspicion mm -hmm. that something like that had happened, that it was like, right. all right, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. All right. Well, that's a, that's an interesting one. Um, mm -hmm. Did you see, actually, there's been a lot of, there was an article in the Atlantic. Let me see if I can find it. <laughs> you know, so sometimes we talk about like propaganda. Yeah. Like there, sometimes we use that word and just say like, this is pure propaganda, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I've never seen them 
uh, and that's not, not never, but you rarely see them just kind of say, basically, I'm not like not 100% admitting it's propaganda, but just like, so there was this article in the Atlantic. Here it is. I'm going to, I'll pull it up. And this is basically, uh, <laughs> it's called the words about Ukraine that Americans need to hear. And this is about basically how we need to propagandize people so that they support the war and we're not doing it right. <laughs> um, that's why there's skepticism because we're not doing it right. And it, and the, the summary here is wars are won, won by deeds, but also by persuasive moral arguments. And we don't, we don't have to go through the whole um, article, but the gist of this article is um, A, you have to give a moral reason for people, which is why we need to hammer in on like, hey, Russia's bad, Russia's bad, Russia's bad. Here's all the things that they're doing wrong, which I don't uh, – I don't actually discount. I'm sure they're killing people because they invaded a country, and that's what you do when you're killing people. It doesn't make it right. Um, but I'm sure that also means minimizing anything that Ukraine is ever doing, right? Right. Um, so that's the moral argument. And then the the other one was this. This one really was interesting to me. I I, I was I'm fascinated by this because it's a. Um, it's an overt recognition that there is a uniparty that is uh, for for whom interventionism is important, and that and that the non-interventionists on both sides are the baddies, uh-huh. and like we have to come together as Republicans and Democrats to hate on the radical elements of both of our parties that want to stay home. Um, <laughs> And so that let me just read this part. Where is it? Here we go. Um, in the United States, the next, the likely next speaker of the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, in a gesture to the neo isolationist wing of the Republican Party, that I, that this feels like a slur, even though I wouldn't <laughs> say neo isolationism is a slur, but it feels like it somehow. Uh, the neo isolationist wing of the Republican Party has indicated that it is time to curtail aid to Ukraine. The motley collection of so-called realists who think that Russia's crimes are irrelevant. Now, by the way, that's a mass mischaracterization, right? There's a difference between saying, I don't think we should be involved and saying their crimes are irrelevant. But this is this, you know, this person doesn't care. Uh, Isolationists, admirers or tools of Russia. Oh. And first and America firsters have kept a running if muted line of criticism. Not so much of the Zelensky government as of the American burden in supporting him. And then this person goes on to say, like, this, you know, McCarthy's views have nothing to do with principle because he's he's not principled. But then he says um, he talks about xenophobia in the Republican Party. And that's 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 the reason they don't want to get involved in Ukraine. Uh, But they are back. So he's talking about these the kind of isolationists, but they are back and need to be addressed, as do comparable movements on the left of the Democratic Party. So this is an overt admission that, yep, we are, that the important thing is support of the deep state and the massive uh, military spend and interventionist policies of the United States government, and both the left and the right, anyone who is against that on either side is the enemy. I found that. Wow. uh, shockingly honest 
actually. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he definitely said the quiet part out loud. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I feel like there's just what we've got two and a half, three generations of people that haven't really experienced. I mean, we were, of course, we had like the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, but it was so like removed from Americans like day to day lives that I feel like we still have like two, two or three generations worth of people that don't fully grasp what actual war is like. Not war where you're fighting, you know, like the terrorists. War where you're fighting another country that can attack your homeland at any given moment. I mean, so yeah, to me, it's like insane. an enemy that's that's more on your level, like someone your right. own size. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we went into Iraq, like they basically didn't have an air force, and we come in with jets right. and stuff, you know. But we're, they're advocating for an escalation with Russia, like. I just I, I can't wrap my head around why anybody would encourage that. Well, I mean, I I I think it comes well, so I think it just comes down to to this narrative that the US needs to be the world's police. Mm -hmm. And um and I and my guess is I mean, I don't want to be too cynical about it, but my guess is it's driven by, you know, the was it Eisenhower's uh, military industrial complex? Right. I mean, it's, it's the, if you imagine, think about how Washington works, right? So uh -huh. when the Republicans are in charge, they hire out of a bunch of think tanks for their bureaucrats and their advisors. And so it's like, they all get jobs when the Republicans are in charge. And then, but then when they lose and it's the Democrats turn, a lot of those people, they just like think tanks are kind of the green room mm -hmm. <laughs> for people that are involved in the deep state politics. And so like they right. go sit in the green room and get paid through uh, sometimes government backed NGOs, sometimes uh, I, I'll use I'll loosely say philanthropically backed NGOs, but a lot of that philanthropy as, you know, Yemen. And like the Saudi Arabian, you know, royalty, right? right. So, <laughs> so they they like they get paid to sit in the green room of think tanks for a while, while the other guys, the think tanks, you know, the Democrats who had been sitting in think tanks, they now go into the administration and get their mm -hmm. jobs there, and then it's just kind of this back and forth where there's this um, there's this nice little safety net for anyone who's involved, and they can kind of stay in. Um, they can stay close to power in Washington, but to do that, they have to all, they, what it means is that they're all in alignment about the, the power needing to be in Washington and, <laughs> and the ever increasing uh, amount of it. Right. So anyone who was like, I think we should dismantle all of these three letter agencies and we should be, you know, isolationists, which isn't a bad word, by the way. Hey, we should be isolationists. We should mind our own business. We've got skyrocketing debt. Things are falling apart. Let's stay home. That person's never going to get a job at a think tank that Qatar funds. Right. Right. Like, that's just not going to happen. So those people can't be, they're not part of the milieu of Washington, D.C. And so you, you naturally are going to have this kind of, you know, as, as Trump called it, the swamp. 
Like that's, right. that's what that is. That's what that is. Yeah. I feel like people are just so maybe Hollywood plays a role in this, but just like very ignorant as to what actual warfare entails. Um, yeah. Cause if you weren't, you wouldn't encourage things that could lead to war. It's reckless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's reckless. Um, but again, you know, one of the points this article makes uh, is, or one of the claims is that it's, it's the people who don't want to be involved in this war that are short-term thinkers because, so the argument goes, um, the, if we don't stop Russia here, then they will go on to annex a bunch of Baltic states and I guess eventually all of Europe and China will look at that and say, aha, and they'll take Taiwan <laughs> and like everything will unravel. And I, part of me wants to say, yes, yeah, so right. like, I mean, none of that is America. So let's just from an American perspective go, okay, all bad. We don't like it, but still not us just to point out um so uh and b it's like there's no counter argument to that because it's just projection of like well this will happen right i don't know will it happen um you know it's not like ukraine isn't part of nato so it's not like and that which is part of the reason <laughs> Right. We're, our our threats to make it part of NATO is part of the reason it's on you know being in it was in being invaded right now. Um, mm -hmm. So there's this, and there's this forgetfulness of like the the U.S.'s involvement in any of this. Like we didn't tee it up and and poke the bear, and then and now it's like oh we poked the bear a lot and now he's angry. You better shoot the bear. You better get in a fist fight with the bear because otherwise he'll come to your campsite and destroy it. It's like well maybe stop poking the bear. Shut up. Go home. Uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like. Leave it alone. Um, and it doesn't mean you condone what the bear is doing. If you can, you can, I'm not opposed to, you know, you want to make moral arguments against it and criticize them. I mean, you know, I'm not a big fan of the government controlling economies, but if you're going to, you can do sanctions and that kind of stuff and be like, look, this is, you know, we don't approve of this. That's all fine. But, you know, I think it was Scotty actually who, um, it's too bad she's not here because I, she tweeted out this comparison, and I think it was a retweet from somewhere else, but it was like the, the mainstream media before the Ukraine invasion and after the invasion of the Ukraine. And before the Ukraine invasion, it was all, you know, it was all headlines about how corrupt it was, how it was a bunch right. of Nazis, it was this horrible place. Mm -hmm. And then the moment the invasion happens, there's this whitewashing of the entire thing, and it's this Manichaean view of like, oh, these are the evil guys and these other people are the good guys. It's like, well... Real life is more nuanced than that. Neither right. one of them is like we're not talking about. Neither one of them are are, are the founding fathers. There's no like, <laughs> hey, we're <laughs> right. fighting for individual rights over here, and here's Mao coming over, and like that's not what's happening. Right. Um. Again, not to. It's every time you say that, people are like, "You so you condone blah blah blah." I'm like, no, you don't have to condone it, but. Right. Well, I mean. I, I get like we have this thing is very Americans were very guilty of this that every situation has to have like a good guy and a bad guy. Sometimes it's two bad guys fighting right. with each other, right? Or different degrees of bad for different right. reasons or whatever, right? There's nuance, right? But yeah. just because one 
is the aggressor doesn't immediately absolve the other side of everything they've ever done, which is kind right. of how we're treating this conflict. But And the truly innocent people in this entire thing are the Ukrainian and Russian citizens. Absolutely. They're not doing this. Like uh -uh. They, they're both getting, I don't know if the Russians are in draft mode right now, but like they're both being foisted. They're both having this conflict foisted upon them by leaders. I mean, and granted, yes, Russia was the aggressor there. I, I understand that. But, right. um, you know, it, not the Russian citizens. No. Um, so, yeah, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And I don't, and, and I don't understand why we can't. If you say, hey, I, my priority is my country, that's somehow this. <laughs> you this like outside yeah that's like, <laughs> is that outside the overton window now like hey like i i get there's lots of bad things going on but can we there's enough going on here that i'm concerned about here can we worry right. about that right and that's the crazy xenophobic like you said like, that's the xenophobic racist fascist thing to do is like right. worry about, about us my country like, and, yeah it's like it's like it's it's akin to saying yes uh, I don't want any child to go hungry, but I worry about my own child first. Mm -hmm. That's not bigotry. <laughs> like that's just like right. My own child first. That's where my. That's first where the food goes. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, in the the idea of the United States being the world policeman, mostly because we were like the superpower, and we had the ability to police things, but. Every time I think about that, I'm like, then what is the point of the UN? Why do we have a, the United Nations if it's our job to police the entire world? And we don't. I mean, we allow a lot of things to happen that we decide no, we not don't. to get involved in. Yeah, no, if it's politically expedient, we let things mm -hmm. happen. You know, right. if it's All politically expedient to remind everyone, we arm and train Osama bin Laden to tear down, to take down superpowers in an efficient manner through wars of attrition. Like if that's convenient, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. We being, I don't, I hate to throw you and I in the, the list <laughs> well, of we, but like. We, yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah. <sighs> All right. Someone else says, oh, you know, that's actually, I will say this. That's one of the things I did. Um. Trump didn't do much of like I was kind of hoping for bull in the China shop behavior, right? So like right. he'll 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 either defund stuff or break it beyond repair, right? And that's that right. was kind of the <laughs> that was kind of the hope, and he didn't do much of that at all. But what he did was um, he did at least, which has been done done, call the UN out and like step back from. Uh, the UN and I think I don't you know you say we've been the world's police I'm not 100% sure that we've been effective no like, I, I don't how do we how, like <laughs> it's like it's like we're the dirty undercover cops who are like it's like hey I'm gonna bust a narco ring it's like weren't you running the narco <laughs> yes but like like everything's in trap it's like oh like it's like a we spawned these three letter agencies that go, you know, do these horrible things. And then when it's time to burn someone, when they want to burn an asset, you know, 
they burn the asset and suddenly right. we're at war with that asset and they were always bad and evil. And it's like, you know, I, I don't think we can pat ourselves on the back and say we've done a good job policing the world. Definitely not. No. I mean, if we had it, we wouldn't have conflicts like all over the place, but it's yeah. human nature. I mean, you can't, you can't stop conflict. That's a utopian idea. Like it's just, unrealistic it's human nature yeah i want and i've said this before which I'll, I'll just say again which is like if you really care about human rights which just is the, the the general ethical banner that all this is under is like we care about about people that's what it is right right if you care about human rights um you don't send the cia in to covertly overthrow governments you don't you know uh bombastically praise democracy while you know sending missiles into weddings and villages and having drone strike tuesdays what you do is you explain to the world hey um you know what us did that was different than everywhere else that that is better and and politically we have this idea of individual rights and we tried to achieve that through this constitutional republic where you there's things you're like here's some rights that you have and the, the, that are that exist a priori to government and we're not supposed to violate them. And like, we tried, you know, we were failing a little bit here, but this is the, this was, this is what's gotten us this far. Here's a copy of the U S constitution translated into your local language. Here's, here's the federalist papers and the anti-federalist papers. Here's some, here's some background. Go right. for it because you can't, you can't externally come in and, and, implement a government like that and expect it to work without the people understanding and supporting it. I mean, that's what happened in Afghanistan. It doesn't right. work. And frankly, we can see that U.S. is proof of that. And now that the population has forgotten everything about why our government is the way it is and what the purpose of it was, we're essentially no different than European countries. So you, you need the population to understand that. And they don't. And no one has been saying it. And they've been substituting feel-good language like democracy and Mm -hmm. You know, freedom, which they don't really mean in any significant way. It's just an abstract and yep. and arming people. <laughs> <laughs> it's worked out really well. Yeah, it's great. <sighs> All right. <laughs> uh, by the way, someone says, who is Serpico in this dirty cop scenario, Carter or Juliet? I think it's Juliet. Yeah. <laughs> and she does need a revolver. I agree with this. Um. <laughs> Also, someone says Scott Horton had a good foreign policy debate against Bill Crystal. Scott raised a point similar to what Carter said. Uh, I vaguely remember that debate. I'm not trying to poach from Scott, but I might be inadvertently. Like, yeah, I like I, I vaguely remember that debate. And um, you know, Bill Crystal represents that purple party, right? He's mm -hmm. part of the he's part of that establishment. All right. So that was one thing I saw. Do you have any do you want to go to another one that you've got, or should I bring up something I've got again? Um we could well we have that video um mm. gosh that guy's name will not stay in my head me neither rishi sunak sunak there we go i don't know how to pronounce it yeah so quick background um the uk has a new prime minister after 44 days of the last one uh it just it implosion in parliament and now we get this guy who ran but then there was some uh, controversy because his wife is a 
heiress. She's worth like $800 million. Accusations of not paying taxes, right, or whatever. And it just kind of tanked his chances. And now here he comes, rising like a phoenix. And he's a really big fan of central bank digital currency, which is scary because the UK's uh, economy is really struggling right now. And what better time to implement something like that? Yeah, can we before we even play this then? Because now I let's reiterate this. Let, let's let's rehash the conversation we had just before we went live. Okay. Because I'm this is how I feel about this UK thing, and I, I need to express utter ignorance to what's going on in the yes. UK because I haven't been following. Um, and maybe some people in chat know a little bit more. But here's what the the narrative that I'm getting. Uh, so the narrative I'm getting is that trust comes in as the Tory and has this plan for reducing inflation that involves what I would call more free markety type of stuff. Like we need to reduce regulation and we need to reduce taxes and that kind of thing. Um, which doesn't sound like it could cause an implosion economically to me in like, certainly not a lasting one. I can see a perturbation happening if you do stuff, but like, Right. None of this is like, oh my God, the sky is falling. But, but, but she did this, and the sky kind of did fall. At least if you're watching CNBC, like there's banking crisis and everything, all hell breaks loose in the financial markets. Things are a mess, and so she pulls back a little bit. Of, fire, fires her finance minister, brings another one in. They they roll back all this stuff, and then she resigns in disgrace. Um, yes. And it seems like the story is, see, the crazy capitalist people like absolutely destroy economies because they're financial idiots. And that might be true. Maybe I don't maybe I don't understand the, the, the economy in the UK. Maybe whatever they did had this massive effect and it was bound to be a long term, not just a short term perturbation. And it was like, I don't I don't know exactly what they did. And I don't know exactly uh, the, the crisis that ensued. But I will say this, I'm awfully suspicious because now she's she's out. It was a way to discredit all kind of free market kind of stuff in one big heap. Right. And this guy who's like a World Economic Forum poster child yep. <laughs> comes in to have centrally managed economy crap uh, as the savior. And, and, he, and he gets to do it under the banner of conservatism which is insane because none of his policies are conservative at all um (sighs) yeah yeah i mean it's all i mean it's just it's definitely there's something fishy but i think you're right i think it just discredited those economic policies however i just don't understand how they could even point to her policies because rising inflation massive energy costs like all of this stuff is happening at the same time and you can't isolate just her policy and the effect that that's having when you have but all there this- was some short-term banking thing that happened immediately and i don't um, know what it was because i wasn't uh, paying attention um well. i just heard like through the grapevine on cnbc them like oh my god what's happening in london and it was like oh i, I don't know I, I, what is happening in london but i i guess here's the thing i'm <laughs> 
I know for certain that long-term free market capitalism works better. But it's also possible that in the short term, uh, when you move to some more free market solutions, it hurts some people who are busy making money under right. the, the current system. And like there's mm-hmm. a redistribution that happens. There's a rebalancing. And like that can be painful. Like that that could happen. I'm just not sure exactly what what went on. Um, let's watch this guy's – let's watch this thing that you, you found. Because um, I, I haven't seen this and I'm – Super curious. All right. Uh, so this is the guy that's going to replace her. Yes. I don't know. I think it's official or almost official at this point, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they've done like the official voter oath or the whatever King they hasn't do. hasn't said yes, right? But, but Okay. All right. But yeah, it's pretty much for sure him. I, th- I think. Yeah. Or maybe not the official vote either. I, I don't know. But I think it's a done deal. Okay. Right. So here we go. Let's... Uh, Let's see how this goes. How to say that under the UK's presidency, the group of the world's seven most advanced economies, the G7, is launching a set of public policy principles for retail central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies could be a digital version of money, a bit like a digital banknote that could be used alongside physical notes and coins. Unlike most of the digital money people use daily today, it would be issued directly by a central bank, like the Bank of England in the UK. And governments and central banks across the world are working together, looking into what having a digital currency might mean in practice. This includes issues that people care about, such as ensuring users' money would be safe and secure, that it could work with other ways to pay, would be energy efficient and available to everyone. A potential CBDC could offer businesses and consumers new ways to pay in the future. It's all part of the wider story of digital innovation that has delivered benefits to millions around the world and in the UK. The decision on whether to launch a central bank digital currency is for each country to make, and no G7 jurisdiction has yet made that choice. These decisions raise important questions about the reshaping of our economy, financial systems, and the way in which people interact with money and payments. That's why working together and careful evaluation with our international partners is essential. In the UK earlier this year, I announced a new joint task force between the Treasury and the Bank of England to look into a potential CBDC as a complement to cash and bank deposits. We're also hearing from firms, technology experts, and others. Under the leadership of the UK, this report today will help support and inform exploration of CBDCs in the G7 and beyond. With these principles, the G7 is leading an important step change in the global policy conversation. The report covers a range of important matters, such as financial stability, cyber resilience, energy efficiency, privacy, inclusion, and tackling illicit finance. These factors should all be considered when designing and potentially delivering a CBDC that would be fit for the future. Inclusion. Our shared objective Inclusion. is to ensure that CBDCs would be grounded be in long-standing commitments to transparency, the rule of law, and sound economic governance. The G7 will continue its work in this important area, working with others to enhance understanding and use of these principles. We're excited to be taking a leading role with G7 members in publishing this exploratory work, bringing money and finance into the 21st century. 
he almost put me to sleep, even though it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm simultaneously I mean, sleepy and livid. I don't right. know if that works. So he's not only a big fan of it, like he helped push reports and I, you know, get the idea out there. Um, yeah, I that is scary to me because I feel like if they can pull it off in the UK, they'll be able to pull it off here so much easier. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand the importance, the significance of uh, central bank digital currency. It's I and I I know this is going to sound hyperbolic. I think it's more dangerous tool to give the government than the invention of nuclear weapons. Yeah. Um, because nuclear weapons, even an even an evil government is going to use them sparingly. There's like mm -hmm. so much obvious disaster. They're not very precise. You got to kill a bunch of innocent people with them. Um, CBDC is the dystopian authoritarian's dream. It's like it is. It's a game over for the entire population. There's no freedom after CBDC. Um, yes. It's it's the and by the way, what's annoying about it is it's the exact opposite of, um, of digital currencies like of cryptocurrency. It's the cryptocurrency is all about you know decentralization. No one's in control. It's outside of the government's uh, reach. Obviously, they're trying to pull it into their reach now, and that's that's part of the the current status of cryptocurrency. But CBDC is just ground up. Like imagine. Every time that you went to buy anything, it was contingent upon how the government felt about you in that moment. That's what CBDC is. Yeah. That's I mean, the, the absolute control they would have over every single person is just, it's almost hard to fathom. Yeah. It's, it's like in um, the, uh, the Handmaid's Tale, the beginning of the Handmaid's Tale, there's a, there's a scene where, um the the woman whose name i forget the handmaid uh goes in to buy cigarettes at a shop this is like right, right when the totalitarians are taking control and she goes in to buy cigarettes or something in the shop and like her she can't there's no so there's no like currency anymore it's all basically cbdc mm -hmm. uh different tech but same result uh she goes into to buy cigarettes and she can't because she has no money anymore because only in this particular dystopia, which I think is uh, exactly the wrong thing to be worried about. Uh, only men can have money and the women can't have any money. And like that's, they shut down all the women's accounts. Uh -huh. um, that's, that's not the risk that we have now with CBDC, but um, it's certainly, I mean, if you've ever been banned from Twitter or YouTube or know anyone who's been banned from Twitter or YouTube, those are the targets for this kind of thing. Um, well, I mean, and, and it could so quickly spiral. All they have to do is implement some, you know, green energy policy. And all of a sudden, you can't, you're not allowed to buy gas for the rest of the month because right. you've already bought too much. Right. Your carbon is, your carbon footprint is over the limit. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And then, um, you know, like that plays the ESG score, then suddenly uh, you're unhirable because you have a terrible ESG score, which means you're a terrible person. And they don't want to, you know, it's just so yeah. totalitarian. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, dystopian, but like it, 
I don't know. Like it's kind of like the reality we're facing right now. Yeah. The technology that was in the nightmares of the dystopian science fiction novelists decades ago is here. Mm -hmm. It's all here. Um, and as it turns out, since we didn't actually fight the philosophical battle to defeat the authoritarian tendencies, uh, of our overlords, <laughs> they're looking at it as an option, right? Because right. there it is. Um, it's like that, you know, that episode of Black Mirror um, where the person has like a social credit score on their phone. Yes. Did you see that episode? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't normally recommend, like, I don't, I don't like a lot of Black Mirror stuff. Like some of it's okay. That one, yeah. I totally recommend. If, if you can go watch that without paying Netflix or whatever, if you can go watch Black Mirror, Go watch that episode of Black Mirror if, if you haven't seen it. Um, because I was almost almost surprised that they made it. Right. Because, because it's like, yeah, that's what's happening. Why are you not scared? Like, why are you? I, yeah. You're just saying it right out there. Like, that's what's going on. Like, I guess they figured no one will, no one will care. No one will see. The obvious it's it's almost like stating the intentions right out in the open like yep this is what's gonna happen and it's bad like the episode doesn't glorify it it, it shows it as the dystopia that it is right but, uh yeah i don't know <sighs> that's a good one i'm glad thanks for sharing that dude and so he's the now he's now he'll be the pm of the uk congratulations all you brits he's your <laughs> He's your man. Oops, I didn't mean to do that. I meant to take it out. Um, yeah, congratulations, Brits. Good job. <laughs> uh, I here's a here's another example of something that I was I was surprised was on television. Did you see the MSNBC uh, panel of Trump voters? No, I I was really shocked that that they even allowed this to be aired. This is um, I don't actually know who the reporter is, but these are Trump supporters, and they are. This is a, a tweet from Mike Cernovich. These are Trump supporters from uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, she is, this reporter is asking them about January 6th. And she's saying some things as if they should just not, they just go along with what she's saying, but they're pushing back on a, some of the narrative. And it's, and she doesn't have like good counter arguments to any of it. Because <laughs> um, I don't think she expected it, which is why I can't believe this was on, television so let's just watch this for a sec and uh and we'll see mastriano was at the insurrection and he was photographed breaching one of the restricted areas is that okay which area because i saw a video where capital officers yes. were taking away barriers and unlocking Open doors, doors. People. so yeah. oh, that's i mean i they opened the gates. So it shouldn't be disqualifying for an elected official. No, no. Definitely. They... So I just want to pause for a second. She just backs right up after, out of that one. Like, right. <laughs> she's like, oh, he was breaking in. Well, really? Was it like, okay, well, 
like just done. She doesn't. She well, so an elected <laughs> official should be allowed to, like, she she certainly did not expect them to know that it was not the break in she was describing. So here right. we go. Okay, so just just pause again. She's like she throws another, she lobs another one in there. Oh, a police officer died though. And they're all going, well, no, not on site. And it was of a heart attack. And like, that's not her <laughs> stroke or whatever. Uh, and she doesn't, she, do, again, she doesn't argue. Right. She's just slurs. like, well, I lost that one. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dang it, I tried were... that. That failed. <laughs> right. <That's great. sighs> all right. Here we go. Going. Six. I mean, it was watching that footage. It was pretty disturbing. I mean, there were people throwing excrement at the walls, and it was our, you know, it's the capital. It looked a lot true. like Antifa's actions. Yeah, it looked a lot, except on a much smaller scale. It looked the same as the Black Lives Matter riots. That's it, what I saw. The similarities to being Minneapolis one burns Kenosha. Burns. But so it's okay Rocket just because burns. just because I, one side that you no, disagree with. I'm saying. Okay. okay, I just want to pause this, and then she's like, so they compare it to correctly. Then compare this to Antifa and BLM. Yep. <laughs> and she, this is the this is the dishonesty of the media, and this is why people hate the media. She's like, well, so it's okay if one side does it, and I don't think anyone really says this in the response, although we we'll see when we play it in a moment. But they're not saying it's okay. What they're saying is. Miss MSNBC person, you're a liar. And and the problem is you said it was okay. You did not sit down with a bunch of leftists and berate them over <laughs> the mostly peaceful protest. You didn't right. say you're burning cities and hurting people. What are you doing, Democrats? You didn't do that. And here you are with Trump supporters acting as if you're very concerned about violent protests. And that's the dishonesty. And that's what these people absolutely despise. I don't think anyone calls her out directly for it, but like that's, the, and I think the, the a large percentage of the American people are starting to not see any difference between the Democrats, the radical left and the press. They're right. all the same. And, and I don't think the press understands that people don't view them as a third party anymore. Oh, no. No, I don't think they get it either. I think that's why you see these, like, clips from um, Don Lamont, whatever, <laughs> that he, like, he keeps having people come on. Did and you then... call him Don Lamont? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, you know, like, people keep pushing back, similar to this interview, where it's, it doesn't go the way they expected it, but the media is so insulated. They live in their bubble. They they really have no idea what the temperature of the rest of the world is. So I'm not surprised that they're getting kind of blindsided by pushback. And they probably truly believe that the public thinks that they're unbiased. Right. 
Right. They, they, she expects to be taken seriously by these people. And they're like, <laughs> no, you're our enemy. Right. right let, wait, let's, let's let them keep going. Okay. This is a fun, it's a fun interview. Good for one, it's good for the other. Anybody who harmed anybody, anybody who caused property destruction, that needs to be dealt with. Yeah, but if you're there your making side. your voice heard at the right. people's house, no less. Yeah. That, that's again, it's a fundamental constitutional right of an American citizen. And people should not be being held political prisoner uh, because of it. For misdemeanors. That's I mean, East Germany. That's East Germany. Tactics. Yeah, that's what's scary. It was an actual fiery but mostly peaceful protest. And the other ones that were the opposite. Was the protest legitimate our, in your our eyes? Administration, because... I feel like, is using it as their Reichstag fire. Yeah. That's exactly what they're using it as. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the reporter's like, uh. <laughs> I, I thought that's a great analogy. They're using it as the Reichstag fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. Do you think that President Trump could have quelled the violence that day? Not him. Personally. I don't think no. so, no. I don't think so. It started while he was still speaking. I was actually there. I, I, I was there to, to see what I thought was going to be the last time I ever saw Trump in Little Island. So did he tell everybody to go and, and start riding? No. I didn't think so. No, and it, it actually, <laughs> um, I, I, I stayed for the whole speech, like, a ton of people did. Mm -hmm. And then we all headed to the Capitol because he said, let's go to the Capitol and, and peacefully let, peacefully let our voices forward. be heard. And we get to the Capitol and we're like, what the hell's going on? Because it had already happened. I'm pretty sure I saw Democratic operatives instigating people to oh, cross totally. barriers. <laughs> so. Wow. I'm, a, I'm, I'm amused by this. I, uh, I can't believe they aired that. Right. Right. Can you believe? I, can, I yeah, yeah, I was like, how could they air this? It right. makes them look really bad. Yeah. Um, I think, I think they just assume that the people who watch MSNBC are so brainwashed to the narrative that these people's arguments will fall on deaf ears and they'll just seem ridiculous and that will be. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's got to be it. Right. Right. She's like, oh, she, they didn't agree with me. So therefore they must be dumb. Right. Right. And that's yeah. Like, I mean, that they, <laughs> they were ready to go though. I love those. That was heartwarming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> and I, you know, until they said that I had totally forgotten that it started before he finished speaking. Right. That's right. a good walk. That's that's not right there. I mean, it takes a minute to walk over there. So, hmm. yeah, it's amazing. Um, and there's there was another clip uh, going around today of so it's the I, and again I don't think the media is getting this. There's the, it's the people realizing that they're on, the media is just on they're clearly on a particular side. They selectively report and they select they have selective outrage. So they're outraged at you know Trump's lack of um timely de-escalation like he didn't fast enough say slow down and like you know, be peaceful like he didn't do that quick enough and that's that's their big outrage uh and and obviously they're arguing that the you know 
they can see through his innuendos and they hear the dog whistles that no one else does. And they, they know this is exactly what he wanted people to do. Right. Um, and then on the flip side, there's this, this video going around of Nancy Pelosi saying like, I hope Trump comes over here. I'll punch him in the face and I'll go to jail, but it will be like, it'll be worth it. And, or I'll be happy about it. It's like, that is, if Trump said that about Nancy Pelosi, uh, we would never hear the end of it. There would be a committee investigating it right now still. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will say, I think because throughout his presidency, Trump was calling out the media, fake news, like you're lying, you're misrepresenting. We've seen it with our own eyes, how they shorten clips to act like he said something he didn't say. Um, But I think really the tipping point where it became, unless you're truly brainwashed, it became undeniable that they're misleading and lying was the the difference in coverage of the uh, George Floyd summer and then January 6th, because even when they poll, people don't care. That's why like the hearings, nobody watches them. They delayed it because there was a hurricane in Florida because they knew no one would like, they would have like zero viewers (laughs) if they did it on the same day. But it's, it's a made up outrage that, Really, most people don't care. It was yeah. one day, whereas like this, the BLM riots that lasted for months all right. over the country. Right, and, and that it, and you can't deny that. Like we, the way they portray it, I mean, anybody with half a brain can see that you know they're lying. Right. I don't. There was no f- burning buildings on January sixth. No. Yeah. minor actual damage really right. a couple windows right. and most people most average people are like the guy uh in the adidas beanie or whatever he was uh-huh. like well, look people who hurt people or did property damage like yeah sure they should be held accountable but people wandering right. around <laughs> people wandering around sh- like it shouldn't be in jail for a misdemeanor right trespassing what like that's ridiculous um but you would have to all of Antifa would be in jail if that were and most of the Democrats in every major city for wandering around streets during protest if they were going to be, you know, right. going to be uh, fair about that. Did you I there's one other thing I want to Juliet, did you see the national the quote national report card that came out? Oh, on like student Yes. I saw a picture. Like I, I don't remember the numbers, but I remember it was horrible. Yeah. Um it's almost as if it's too bad. You know what's too bad? It's too bad no one warned them that this was bad. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad no one was saying, you know, um, it's really not that much of a threat to children. Maybe you should keep the school up. Um, so here we go. Student math and reading scores have dropped significantly since 2019. Um, this isn't this is an article in Reason by Elizabeth Nolan Brown. Um, new results from the National Assessment of Education Progress offer more evidence that students fell that students fell significantly behind during school shutdowns. Hmm. I mean, who could have possibly foreseen that? 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Across most states and demographic groups, 2022 math and reading scores are down relative to 2019, falling to their lowest levels since the 90s in reading. Wow. But there's a small silver lining. The data suggests students began this year to recover from pandemic disruptions. Um, we don't have to read all this, but the National Assessment of Educational Progress is a test given to fourth and eighth graders. It bills itself as the nation's report card. The report this year isn't great. Um, she also mentions that, uh, where is it? I think the ACT scores. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah. Um, it's not just young children who have seen several AT, ACT scores across the, uh, are, are also at their lowest point in three decades. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Emma Camp. We talked to her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, we, we should have her back to talk about it. Um, yeah, yeah. geez, ACT scores. I mean, I know it's a test that people struggle with, but like, it's not the hardest one you take. Um, is that the one where the, the highest score is like 32 or 36 or something? I, I can't remember, I remember, honestly. I'm so old. I just... I, <laughs> I mean, in high school for me, it was just kind of like, oh, I have to take that. Okay. Like, I don't yeah. know. But um, it's interesting, too, because... It, I'm not shocked it's showing up in the high school students even more than small children because they were all sitting there with their cameras turned off or pointed at the ceiling all day during the class. Do we really, any of us actually believe they were paying attention and learning anything? Yeah. I mean, I'm obviously of like, it's a mixed bag because I will actually I would actually celebrate the drop in math and reading scores if it if there was a greater drop in indoctrination. Right. Like I think that's a trade-off. I'd be like, I can yeah. tutor math and reading at home. Right. So like, okay, let's not have the indoctrination. Um, so yeah, I'm a little bit and uh it's a mixed bag on that for me. But yeah, I mean it's just frustrating because there are those of us who were before the pandemic saying and during the pandemic saying stop mm-hmm. we were the grandma killer horrible people and you know you couldn't even say hey there will be consequences right and now lo and behold there's consequences and i'm gonna this is another pet peeve of mine i i can't stand it when people say it's because of the pandemic or it's because of covid it was not because of covid it was not because of the pandemic it was because of of government behavior it yep. was it was it was government policy. It wasn't COVID didn't lower math scores. Government policy lowered the math score. Government policy did that, not COVID. COVID didn't cause a bunch of businesses to close and uh, just get added to Jeff Bezos' bottom line. That was government policy. And right. uh, I, you know, I would hope that I didn't. I don't actually see. I don't remember what Reason said, but I would hope that magazines like Reason make that distinction because it's not, they're not the same thing. And that's one of the things that they want us to do. They want to start conflating. So what they're going to do, and we've seen this already, we're starting to see negative consequences of government policy being discussed. And what the the press is going to, to make sure they do is they're going to always cast it in the, in, in light of a COVID COVID was the problem because of course, COVID is, uh, well, we use the word natural 
in quotes, but a natural phenomenon. Like COVID was not uh, right. COVID is not a government policy, so they can. It's it seems like force majeure when they do it that way. It's like, well, it's an act of God. Like this thing happened, no one can help it, and here's the consequences that we're now studying, and we care very much about these consequences, as opposed right. to here are the consequences of the policies that we advocated. Uh, in fact, right. not just advocated, uh, coercively enforced um, for year for a couple of years. Yep. Uh, because because the latter requires them to take responsibility. Well, right. Which of course they're never going to do. It wasn't their fault. They did what they had to do for the greater good. All <laughs> right. Just like which, Stalin. Yeah. It's terrifying when the government tells you that. It's never a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <sighs> I, do you have anything else that you think we should discuss today? Um, did you follow the shocking news that Boston University was doing gain of function research? Like recently, they just pr had a preprint article come out. Mm -hmm. Do you know about this? <laughs> no. <laughs> they took the original strain of COVID mm -hmm. from Wuhan. They got a sample from oh, NIH. This is gain of function for here. COVID. Yeah. And then they decided to add the Omicron spike protein. And Omicron was the most like oh, easily transmitted. Um, uh -huh. So they added that to the most severe version. Great. Maybe and, throw some Ebola in there too. That would be good. Well, I mean, it had an 80% kill rate in the lab mice. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. They're, and they're doing it in the labs at Boston University. At first I was like, okay, just because it's their professors doesn't mean they did it there, right? No, they, in the preprint, it says that they carried it out in their labs. So, you know, I mean, that thing we said we don't do with a virus we would never mess with. Well, we do it in Boston. That doesn't count, right? <laughs> um, I don't know. Insanity. And then NIH was like, we didn't know they were doing that. Well, all we, we did was them, write checks. We right, had no idea. <laughs> we just gave them grants. We didn't know what for. Right. Yeah. I wonder so, if that I wonder if that works. I just wrote the kingpin some checks. I didn't know cocaine trafficking was happening. <laughs> right. I'm I'm shocked and appalled. <laughs> we would have never done that if we had known. Ugh. Um yeah, that that's I mean Part of me, like the scientific part of me says, well, I could see legitimate reason to do. I can actually see legitimate reason to do that right. research. Mm -hmm. um, but the. The less. Stuck in the science only aspect of the broader me looks at it and goes, well, you've been promising you're not doing it. I certainly don't want to be funding it like th there's <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot here that's just completely dishonest. Um, what did Fauci right. have to say? Did he respond to any of this? You know, I don't know if, the, if he did. I know that NIH came out and they were like, oh, we'll investigate this because we didn't know this oh, was happening. Great. <laughs> you know, investigate the stuff you funded. You've been doing? Right. Well, yeah, we'll investigate this. But to me, I found it interesting because instead of, okay, so on a federal level, they're not allowed to do gain-of-function research on stuff like this, especially not in highly right. populated areas, right? But so they outsourced it to universities, and apparently there are tons 
of level three and four bio labs in universities. Sure. Well, they're and, not populated areas, at least, right? Of course not. Of course not. <laughs> and then I, I found this report that listed all kinds of lab leaks and just mistakes that have happened in the past couple decades in university yep. labs. And you add all that up and it's just like, where, yeah, where do, do we get to vote and say, like, absolutely not. You cannot do that here. Go to Antarctica if you want to test Game I was just thinking, is, aren't there like remote places in Antarctica? You could just be like, go here. Right. You can go, be on the research team and go like, for it. Just, yeah. <laughs> if you all die, we'll make an X Files episode out of you and don't <laughs> right. <be> sad. <laughs> yeah. But at least it will be contained. Uh huh. Um, yeah. Well, money talks. It so. sure does. They seem to have a lot go. of it. <laughs> Greg the Baritone says, go to the Andromeda Galaxy if you want to do this research. <laughs> oh, I think I like it's that. banned in the Andromeda Galaxy, Greg. They, the authorities there <laughs> do, do not, they don't like it. Um, did, there's a, I can't find this video. Did you see the video of the mayor of New York, Eric Adams? He was outraged about, uh, this was the other day, I mean, it was last week, he was outraged about the, uh, buses of immigrants being shipped to New York City. Yeah. And he was like, we didn't ask for this. We didn't <laughs> we, we didn't place ourselves. What did he say? He said something about like, we didn't ask for this and we had no, you know, we weren't consulted about this and we didn't ask for this and we did it. And of course, A, they are a sanctuary city by their own designation. So they did ask for it. Right. Um, and B, I'm pretty sure the buses are coming from other cities who didn't ask for it. <laughs> so. Absolutely. I mean, at first when they started doing this, I remember even on the right, there was a lot of like kind of pushback, like, oh, this is just a political stunt, like whatever. No, yes, it is. But it's a, an effective it's, political stunt. It's, it's a working great one. because every yes. time they complain about it, they're proving the border state's point. <laughs> every word out of their mouth. Right. We don't, right. we don't have the resources for this. Well, do you think they do? Right. It's interesting because it's kind of that thing that Trump used to do where he would like say something that oh, even if it was like wrong a little bit or whatever, they would it would be controversial and but it would get the mainstream media to talk about an issue that they didn't want to talk about mm -hmm. at all and suddenly Americans would be informed about this issue that they were angry that Trump misrepresented somehow. Right. Um and like but the real information that they covered was enough to have Americans go, "Oh, wow, that is Quite a problem. He said it was sixty percent, but it's fifty-eight, and like, yeah, like, who cares, right? Um, or whatever it was. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I, it reminds me of that, but like in a in an even more delicious way because it's. I completely agree that it's a political. It it is a political. Um, what was the word you used? Not game, stunt? but uh, stunt. stunt. Yes, yeah, it's a political stunt. But political stunts are. Like there's a reason that you do political stunts and this is an effective one and there's right. nothing, you know, I, so what are we outlawing political stunts now? Yeah, it's a political stunt. Sure. But it's a really effective political stunt and it's getting, like you said, I think a lot of people are going, well, wait a minute. You've been able to, <laughs> Hey, New York, you've been getting all this virtue signal. You've been getting all your virtue points by saying, Oh, we support this and we support that. We're in sanctuary city. Aren't we great? Da, 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 da. We're so awesome. Those horrible border <laughs> towns are, they're just a bunch of xenophobes. 
Right. Yeah. Well, good. Let's see. Let's see you do your political tap dance now that there's buses in your city. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, let's see. New York City declared a state of emergency over it so they could get federal funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, D.C. Uh, Mario Bowser was absolutely flipping out over it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We have a huge illegal population in right. and around D.C. This isn't new. It's just that you got a busload of them <laughs> at once, I guess. I don't know. But, I, I mean, I just think it's it's working better than I an- anticipated. Because I thought they'd be smart enough to keep their mouths shut and handle it behind the scenes. But instead, right. they're complaining They're complaining loudly, loudly about it. Yeah, <laughs> all over mainstream media. Right. And and they're making statements like this, this, this uh, Eric Adams statement where he's like, he's saying all these things that anyone listening is like, wow, it would suck to be a city on the border. Like, cause he's like, we didn't ask for this and it's a drain on resources and blah, blah, blah. It's like, wow, these are all the talking points that <laughs> like, you're just repeating them, but they're in New York. So now you care. Right. Um, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, it's a great cell phone. Someone in chat says we should talk about uh, Xi in China seizing absolute power in China. Uh, he didn't, I, I mean, he did. <laughs> I mean, it's China, so it's hard to be like, he didn't seize absolute power. I'm like, ah, well, the communists are in charge, so their absolute power is there. Um, But he, there was a term, basically, he's the FDR of China. There's like a term limit. There was term limits. And he got rid of term limits, and he got appointed for another five years by his cronies in the Communist Party. And I think he ousted someone from one of the pure, there was like an uh, some guy who got uh, like let out of a Politburo meeting, and no one knows why. Um, right, it was very weird, and he looked so confused as to like what was happening. But was yeah, is he a former leader? Yeah, okay, he was a former leader, and and I think it's pretty clear that she's just consolidating power. He's like he's purging the inner circle of political enemies, and he's you know getting all his his supporters, his political supporters. Uh, in positions of power, I I don't want to be cynical, but I don't think that's new in China. It's not. Uh, so it's really uh, not new for like communism in general. Usually, no. if, if you're not the top guy, you're at risk <laughs> at any right. given moment. Right. Uh, I don't think so, we'll ever see that guy again, though. Yeah, Just or he'll way- be. I mean, even even like even Deng Xiaoping was like ousted by Mao but not killed and came back and That's actually was a, was a breath of fresh air for China post-Mao. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason that China kind of opened up a little bit and became, you know, slightly better. Um, right. So well, who knows? I mean, it does smell, it does smack of Mao, though. Like this, it does. It does really sm- smell like, okay, he's, he's doubled down. He did, they did not do any of the, like, oops, my bad on zero COVID policy stuff. They doubled down on all that. He's mm-hmm. put his cronies in in positions of power. They're they're clamping back down pretty tightly. So, yeah, China's the era of having hope for China, I think, is has passed. And now yeah. it's like, OK, yeah, they're 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 going they're on the authoritarian train for a while. And it's not 
slowing down. It looked like it was slowing down, right? It looked like it was like they're on the authoritarian train, but like it's kind of slowing down and eventually it'll be better. It looks like it's it's got a second wind. And uh Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think they kind of tried to I don't know, you know, like kind of put a glowy filter on it to be more palatable to the Western world for a little while. And now it's unnecessary. So back to the old tactics. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting the the term limit thing, because way back when I was in college, like doing international relations classes, I found out. <laughs> so Putin for years, he would bounce back and forth between two titles, either like the, president or prime minister like there are two positions that are one has more power but they're kind of they have to work together so what he would do is before the election he would write a bill shift the power to the other position and then get elected to that one because he you weren't allowed to take the position twice in a row you could keep getting elected forever but just not back to back so he was just shifting it back and forth and i guess he got bored and he just like did away with that so he doesn't have to do that anymore but i just thought i mean because they were trying to prevent i mean it is kind of a pain you know yeah, gonna be a tyrant yeah it's a lot of work yeah they were trying to prevent another you know stalin type that just comes in and stays right. in power he's like <laughs> but you can work with that yeah um someone in so someone in chat says that kissinger wrote a book about uh in kami chinese history this is usually the beginning of an implosion interesting is that true i mean there's not a lot of kami chinese history i mean there's some but mao i mean mao did this regularly Mm -hmm. the implosion happened when he died um so uh yeah i'm not i don't know what i don't know when the instances of that were in the past, right? And then uh, they've been kind of on the Deng Xiaoping trajectory for ever since until she. So uh, I don't know. Sucks, sucks to be stuck in China. Yeah. So, all right. I don't have anything else. Um, what about you, Juliet? I don't think so. Um, all right. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we'll have a lot. Coming up with the midterms. Oh, wait, did you? There was supposed to be some big announcement about election integrity today. There is? Oh, there no. was. I saw a bunch of know about this? news blasts oh. saying that they were going to announce that, like, something in the election infrastructure was at risk, like an intelligence bulletin or something. I was like, well, that's not possible. We spent the past all the Republican districts have a problem. <laughs> right. You spent years <laughs> explaining to us that there's no way that that could happen. Uh, yeah, I don't see anything. I'm looking now. Okay. I don't see anything like popping yeah. up in the news right now. But. I usually like I just follow like Disclosed TV and Jack Posebeck on Telegram. And so usually my phone like tells me when big things happen and I never got another bulletin. So maybe they didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. But. I'm waiting for that though. Like, it's clear, you know, something crazy. Yeah. Who knows? Um, I did like that. Uh, did you? I did like that. Elon Musk called, uh, uh, Gary. Was it Gary Kasparov, the chess 
do to an idiot? Did you see that? One? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like, uh, he said something like, I'll admit he's almost as good at chess as my iPhone, but he's still an idiot. <laughs> like, it was some like total burn. Cause the guy's like, a, like he was mad. The guy was, uh, um, mad at elon for proposing that they like have some kind of peace in ukraine and like oh. once you know so uh, uh yeah i don't have that tweet wait hold on maybe i can find the tweet um i'll read it yeah he writes well it's kasparov is the guy well it's true that kasparov is almost as good <laughs> at playing chess as my iphone he is otherwise an idiot <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is so entertaining because he doesn't have <laughs> any know. reason to not just speak his mind. He's Elon Musk. Yeah, I thought it was really to... funny when he said he wasn't going to pay for Starlink anymore. And then yes. somebody said, you know, oh, this comes right after one of the Ukrainians told him to fuck off. And he was like, I'm just doing what I was told. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, also, it's also funny because it's not, not funny, but it's it's obnoxious to me that like he talk about looking a gift horse in the mouth. He's like, yeah, sure, I'll do this thing, huh? And then it's like it's like saying, yeah, you can crash at my place. And then like six months go by, and you're like, are you still on the fucking couch? Like maybe at some point I might have to charge you rent, dude. And the guy's right. like all indignant about it. <laughs> How dare you charge me rent? I'm going through a hard time right now. It's like Jesus right. Christ, fuck off. Uh huh. <laughs> Yes. Well, and the, like right the week before that, they were flipping out on Elon because Starlink wasn't working on the front lines, and they're like, "Well, uh, what are you doing?" And then Russia, I'm was not like, paying any. Oh wait, never can't do that. <laughs> Russia was like, <laughs> "Uh, yeah, we figured out how to jam it in localized areas. Duh, huh. it's a grid of satellites that are moving. <laughs> so if it's only one area that's not working, hmm. something's jamming it. Hmm. It's not so like can a- you <laughs> can you jam? Let's see. Is it possible to send uh, electromagnetic waves over an area in space so that whenever a satellite goes through it, it has some trouble? Hmm. hmm. I bet. I bet that's not that difficult to figure out. Right. It just took them a little while. Yeah. And like, but everybody no, was got to like, build something special for it. Okay. Fine. Furious with Elon. Even somebody, one of the intelligence creepy guys that you see on the news occasionally he was even like we might have to investigate this investigate what like what did elon do he gave them free communications when they otherwise would have had nothing (laughs) but this is how this is actually this is a uh classical leftist thing where like they you you give them something and they complain about it and then it becomes a requirement Right. And then they complain about if it's not good enough. So, uh, yeah. Someone says, can we jam Biden's satellite hearing aid? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I don't know if he has. Does he have a satellite hearing aid? We could jam his hearing aid. Um, (laughs) I feel like he'd just find a chain and start yelling at people. (laughs) Yeah. How how would it get worse is my question. Like, right. How would you be able to tell? Hey, look, he's speaking nonsense now. (laughs) Well, yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm sorry that Scotty didn't show up. Everyone today. I don't know what's going on. I'll DM DM her afterwards, but hopefully we'll have her back at some other 
some point in the future. And um, but it was a lovely conversation, Julia. It was. You and I. It worked out. We got to do our thing. Yeah, yeah. it was all good. Yeah. Um, anything we should be reminding people of before we leave? What do we got? Um, book club. Book club book on club. Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. Um, we have a full deck of shows this week, right? I think so. Four fifty-one tomorrow. Rebel Civics on uh-huh. Wednesday. Probably Dangerous Thoughts on Wednesday. I'm such a lazy bum. I hope it's Dangerous Thoughts on Wednesday. Right. Um, Thursday, Token Minority Report. Friday, Occasional Levity still this week. Is that correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, oh, and there was a free association episode last Friday, in case you missed it. Um, was it last Friday or Thursday? Friday, I think. I think with, it was Friday. Um, yeah. Yeah, with the CEO of Utreon. Um which is super interesting. Uh, Alex did that. So if you want to check it out, go do that. Um, and, and for if those you... who don't know what Utreon is, because I didn't either. Oh, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. a it's another like alt tech free speech streaming platform. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's. I think it's pretty dedicated to free speech and stuff. It's not it's not yeah. like it's not just another alt tech one that's different it's like it is dedicated just like some of the other ones claim to be too so right um oh and you know what i apologize to people on rumble i've been looking at youtube comments and i've been meaning to look at rumble chats instead because we are trying to focus more on rumble because (laughs) youtube does in fact suck i'm gonna go look in rumble chats now i'm just gonna say hi to ron green one jbsx um and anyone else that's there uh Thank you for watching us on Rumble. Rumble really, really I'll, needs to like I know. pop out their chat like everybody else so that you don't have to I have know. the whole, you know. Ugh. I know. I want a chat pop out box and I couldn't find it. And yeah. So right. anyway, if you're watching on Rumble, thank you very much. Um, don't miss. Uh, I was going to say Fahrenheit 451, but it's not that. It's Slaughterhouse 5. Yeah. Uh, this Sunday with Juliet at what time? 2 p.m. Eastern. 2 p.m. Eastern. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you all. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. See you next time. Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. 
If you think about it, only government sanctioned experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.